Welcome to Caribbean Storytime with your host, Yolanda Marshall. Tune into various discussions about our beautiful culture, books, authors, recipes, and everything Caribbean. Your children will enjoy reading with Miles on Caribbean Storytime. Welcome to Caribbean Storytime. Today we have Julius Gunter, a Chevening scholar, children's author. He's the writer of Tata and the Big Bad Bull. He's an advocate in Jamaica's Adverse Childhood Experiences, ACE's movement. He holds an MA in Peace Studies from the University of Bradford, UK and a BA in media from the University of the West Indies. He is an award-winning poet, and his essays on ACEs have appeared in 30 journals across 15 countries. I encountered Julius Gunter in 2019, when I had the opportunity to be featured in the journal Interviewing the Caribbean. I was interviewed by Julius Gunter, and what a privilege that is. Here's more on this amazing author, poet, and advocate. Yolanda, thank you very much for inviting me into your space. I am honored and I'm so inspired by your work. And I take great pleasure in seeing you excel, in seeing you represent Caribbean literature and Black children's literature in Canada. My work as a poet, children's writer and literacy advocate focuses primarily on educating others about the causes and effects of adverse childhood experiences, or ACEs for short. Now, ACEs refer to intensive sources of stress that many children experience, including poverty, physical, emotional, or sexual abuse, neglect, community violence, classism, racism. Of course, children around the world are susceptible to these adversities. I'll speak a little bit about ACs before I talk about my writings. So in 1998, the United States-based Centers for Disease Control and Prevention and a major healthcare provider known as Kaiser Permanente published a pioneering study on the effects of adverse childhood experiences, which revealed strong links between childhood adversity and many of the health and human development challenges we face. Unchecked exposure to adverse childhood experiences may cause molecular and genetic defects in victims, including alterations in the structure of their brain and may continue to have negative effects even into adulthood. Now, these impairments often force abused children to focus their brain resources on survival and on threat avoidance to the detriment of the parts of their brain that 
are usually involved in productive activities such as language development and active learning. ACEs can be gateways to suicide ideation, pseudo-maturity, chronic depression, drug addiction, violence, and other harmful behaviors and can result in poor health outcomes such as heart disease, diabetes, obesity, and childhood adversity is not an issue that only affects people from poor socioeconomic backgrounds, which is one of the things that is fascinating about this science. Here's what Oprah Winfrey has to say about adverse childhood experiences. And I was very inspired when I saw this clip and when I heard about a 60 Minutes episode that uh, Oprah produced and which was inspired by this remarkable new science and new understanding of the impacts of uh, difficult experiences on children. Let's listen for a few minutes. First, she's here at the table with us, lucky you. And then she's going on Stephen Colbert tonight, but it's a really big week. The highly anticipated new movie, Wrinkle in Time. If you heard about it, it hits theaters nationwide on Friday. We'll talk to her about her role as Mrs. Witch later in the broadcast. And for Sunday, 60 Minutes, Oprah traveled to Milwaukee, that's where she grew up, to learn about a revolutionary approach in the city to childhood trauma. She talked to Dr. Bruce Perry. He's the world's leading expert on early trauma. He's treated survivors of high-profile events like the Columbine shooting. Here's a preview of Oprah's report. That very same sensitivity that makes you able to learn language just like that as a little infant makes you highly vulnerable to chaos, threat, inconsistency, unpredictability, violence. And so children are much more sensitive to developmental trauma than adults. So if you're a child who's raised in a nurturing and well-cared-for environment, you're more likely to have a well-wired brain. Correct. And if you're a child who's raised in an environment of chaos, of uncertainty, of violence, of neglect, you are being wired differently. Differently. And, and typically in a way that makes you more vulnerable. Kids that grow up like that have much higher rates of risk for mental health problems, much higher rates of risk for doing poorly in school. For just functioning in the world. Exactly. Wow. Well, we are pleased to welcome, listen, she's an actress, philanthropist, media mogul, but she's also a 60-minute special contributor. We like saying that. I am. Oprah's back in Studio 57. The reason why I'm so excited about the story is because I know you were excited. You took it to 60 Minutes. You, you had to As a matter of fact, uh, when we were doing the critical review of the pieces, because you know you go through the review the process. with Jeff Baker, and Jeff decides whether it's ready or not, and I said to them in the room, that this is the reason why I came to 60 Minutes. I'm always looking for the deeper meaning. This story is so important to me, and I believe to our culture, that if I could dance on the tabletops right now to get people to pay attention to it, I would. It has definitively uh, changed the way I see people in the world, and it has definitively changed the way I will now uh, be operating my school in South Africa and going forward any philanthropic efforts that I'm engaged in because it's huge this, for you to say that. Oprah. It, it's huge. Yeah. If I could be a dancing emoji about it, I would because um, 
uh, I think it's that important to, to, to our culture. And it's changed your view from what to what? Well, what I recognize is, is that a lot of NGOs, a lot of people who are working in the philanthropic world, who are trying to help disadvantaged, challenged people from you know backgrounds that have been disenfranchised are working on the wrong thing. And unless you fix the trauma that has caused people to be the way they are, literally, change the way brains operate if you're in a chaotic environment as a child unless you fix the trauma you're working on the wrong thing so for instance you have job programs and training programs and all of that stuff that we've been doing for years but if you don't fix the hole in the soul the thing that need that is where the wounds started you, you you're working at the wrong thing so it's changed the way i operate my school we've now become as a result of this piece that i did on 60 minutes i went back to my board and said, hey, we've been doing it all wrong. We need to be a trauma-informed care institution. One we child welfare agency in Milwaukee said that they even changed their approach to a child instead of what's wrong with you to, to what happened. I will have to say, Bianca, that is the, that was the life-changing question that um, that respond, that, that my, whole, my whole senses responded to. See, we go through life and we see kids who are misbehaving, juvenile delinquents, we label them. And really the question that we should be asking is not what's wrong with that child, but what happened to that child. And then having the resources to be able to address what happened to you. Okay, so that was such an uh, inspiring clip uh, for me. And it's one of the reasons I find this science so fascinating, you know, because it shows that uh, on one hand, that the children who experience persistent adversity and who do not get opportunities that viscerally contradict their helplessness or rage um, are often, often damaged in ways that are so profound that full recovery is impossible. Many of them fall behind in school, develop a fidelity to violence, struggle to form stable relationships, and sometimes due to illnesses brought on by chronic stress perform poorly in the workplace or do not make it into a formal work environment at all. The science, however, also shows that when such children find themselves in safe and supportive spaces, that they often not only excel, but some of the biological injuries caused by trauma and toxic stress actually heal. So in comes Rohan Bulkin and the Shadows. I'm very excited about Rohan Bulkin and the Shadows, which is my forthcoming picture book on adverse childhood experiences, which will be published by Caribbean Reads Press in November this year. Rohan Bulkin and the Shadows was written, or is written for children and adults as an entry point to understanding AC's science, adverse childhood experiences science. It aims to help survivors of ACs and toxic stress by giving them a medium through which to view and explore their experiences, including possible links between their ACs and current struggles with reading and academic work. It also highlights the need for empathy for perpetrators of adverse child experiences 
who are in many instances victims themselves and the role families and communities can play in helping survivors develop resilience and hope. It tackles a tough topic, but I think we've managed to, to balance things out a bit by including uh, a lot of hope and wonder and, and magic in, in the book. And we're all very excited about this book. Um, this story is based on true events from my childhood, including the harsh experiences of some of my peers and I, as well as the adults and social realities that shaped our lives. Um, in addition to my lived experiences, Rohan Bulkin and the Shadows draws inspiration from and text from How to Read, an essay by Jamaican human rights advocate Marcus Garvey. It also has an appendix which provides a brief overview of adverse child experiences. And it's illustrated by Rachel Moss, who's an incredible Jamaican talent. So this is certainly a a big project for, for me, for Carbon Reads. Um, it's, as I've said uh, a, a moment ago, as I said a moment ago, it's written for uh, adults and children. So it doesn't quite fit into the, the picture book category. And we're quite eager to see how it will be received by both young and um, adult readers. And it's also written uh, for adults to use with with children to particularly adults who uh, work in child care uh, in the child care uh, sectors There can be no keener revelation of a society's soul than the way in which it treats its children. The words of freedom fighter and philanthropist Nelson Madiba Mandela. Can we continue to ignore the consequences of our collective abuse and neglect? Enter Julius Gunter, children's writer and scholar, with a model for managing adverse childhood experiences for better outcomes. Sorrow is the start. Now let's talk solutions. With Julius Gunter on Palav on RGR 94 FM, this Sunday, July 21, 1 to 4.30 PM, streaming to your favorite device. Okay, so, so that's a, a promo for a discussion that I had last year in 2020 in Palav, which is a, a popular Sunday program on Radio Jamaica. Um, so I do interviews in the media from time to time as part of my, my advocacy. And I really hope that this, this book will shed light on childhood adversity in Jamaica, in the wider Caribbean, um, and also across the world and that it will be used as a go-to text for social workers, doctors, psychologists, teachers, as I've said before, um, people who work closely with victims of adverse child experiences. And we're also planning to publish the version of this book 
uh, next year. So as I said earlier, it's a really big project uh, for me. Um, much of it came out of my master's dissertation research in the United uh, Kingdom. And I'm very excited to, to, to be here and to feel as though I've come full circle with my own journey and own struggle. And now I'm using what I have been through, what harmed and hurt me to inspire um, others. And now I'll talk a little bit about my first uh, picture book, Tata and the Big Babo. So, so that is <laughs> some of the, the music from the, the trailer for my picture book, Tata and the Big Bad Bull, which was uh, created by Carbon Reeves. And I, I really love that uh, silly uh, trailer. Um, Tata and the Big Bad Bull was published uh, in 2018 by Carbon Reeves. And it covers similar themes as Rohan, adversity, determination, bullying, the value of a good education, hope, and so on. Um, Tata and the Big Bad Bull is a narrative poem about a face-off between an angry bull and a determined boy. Tata is single-minded in his desire to go to school, but his grandmother is too poor to pay for his the school bus. And the route that takes him through a pasture that is guarded by a fierce bull. Um, Tata's pursuit of his education turns into this great adventure involving other members of his anthropomorphic uh, community as he searches for ways to circumvent the bull. Um, this story is based on my childhood experiences. Like Tata's grandmother, my mother struggled to pay my bus fare to school. I determined to go, I took a shortcut through a pasture and encountered a fierce bull who charged at me and I was very lucky to have survived that experience. And so this bull is a metaphor for uh, many of the challenges that I have faced in my life and steps that I took to endure and overcome them. Um, Tata and the Big Bad Bull is illustrated by UK-based illustrator Anne-Catherine Lou, and it's available uh, for sale online and in stores across the Caribbean. Like my picture books, my poetry focuses on difficult topics such as uh, parental abuse and sexual violence. Um, many of my poems are available online, including these two, which I will read for you. The first one I will read is uh, entitled Decay. And Decay is the first poem that I wrote about my father. And it began as a poem about 
my name, Julius Gunter, why I decided to use my childhood alias or pet name, as we say in Jamaica, instead of my official name. And it evolved into something else, decay. My grandmother made filling from nutmeg nibs. Sometimes I gargled rum to numb the ache. When there was no toothpaste, I brushed with salt. For years, I chewed on the left or swallowed hard foods whole. The day I had a tooth pulled, I visited my father, who stuffed ice cubes between my teeth. My sister fetched painkillers in the rain. With him, everything was pain. Six years before, when I first searched for him, I had forgotten his face. On the beach where he worked, I called a stranger dad. Ashamed, I spat my surname into the sea. Even now, whenever I hear it, a part of me drones. And the next poem I'll read for you is entitled Anything But Gay. And it took me a while to, to write this poem, long after I'd written an essay entitled The Side Effects of Homophobia in Jamaica. And in that essay, I made a point that homophobia not only affects people who identify as gay or people from the LGBT community, but also heterosexual people because the violence is so pervasive, so strong in our culture that anyone who exhibits any kind of effeminate trait, particularly if you come from tough communities, like the one I came from, inner city communities in Jamaica, um, it's likely that you will face resistance from uh, the matro groups that just, just from the, not just people on the street, but from, from the church, um, people in, in, in government. There's, there's just so much machismo and toxic masculinity that uh, pervades this country and um, other countries in the region and across the world. Anything but gay, like many of my poems is based on my lived experiences. Anything but gay. Back then, boys were allowed to be anything but gay. We lost our virginity before we learned to read. When I was eight, I watched older cousins force two five-year-olds to do it. They opened the girl's legs, pushed the boy's flaccid penis on her vagina, told him to stiffen up, threatened to do to him what God did to Batty Boy in Gomorrah. When we congregated in the square, the men judged each girl who walked by. Me giving Lisa breast them one more year. Marsha Young, but our body ready. We were ordered to sample them before they come of age, our size. The young sisters were the reasons we slithered into church. 
on our way home from late night worship, our only eloquence was sex at baptism. Before surrendering to Christ, we scrubbed our pricks in the river. And finally, I'm also involved in promoting and publishing literature by other Caribbean writers. I do this as uh, the associate managing editor of Interview in the Caribbean Journal, which was published by UA Press. Um, in 2019, I produced and co-presented two episodes of a Caribbean poetry podcast called Angles of Light on Chapel FM in Leeds, UK. The podcast featured 33 Caribbean writers from all over the world. Um, many of them established, some of them new Caribbean poets, uh, including Edward Barr uh, from Jamaica, Murray Collins, based in America now, but originally from Grenada, Marvin Morris, former poet laureate of Jamaica, Andre Bagu, Janine Horsford, Enza Serin, um, Evelyn Teo from, from Haiti. And it was uh, a, a remarkable achievement for me, bringing all of these writers together. And here's a bit of the program. And uh, thank you very much, Yolanda, for uh, having me, for sharing your space with me, for the work that you do. Um, quite honored to have had this uh, opportunity. Music, reviews, Comedy, writing, interviews, BFM, it's radio, we're so much more. So welcome to Writing On Air. You've had a fantastic day, fantastic evening, and now we have even more for you late night listeners uh, to East Leeds FM launch at Chapel FM Arts Centre. So um, for the next hour and a half, we have uh, the second part of Angles of Light, Readings of Caribbean Poetry, introduced by Julius Gunter. Uh, a few weeks ago, Julius introduced the first part of Angles of Light, in which uh, poets from all over the Caribbean uh, recorded mostly in their own homes and places of work, uh, read uh, poetry and also chose a piece of music to accompany that poetry. And uh, we've really had a wonderful feast of, of Caribbean writing so far in this festival and also in part one. But I'm really pleased we now have part two. And I'm going to hand over now to Julius Gunter. Thank you very much, uh, Peter. So our first poet up in part two is Evelyn Teo. Evelyn Teo is from Haiti. She's a French professor at Haiti State University. Two of her novels, Rosalie the Infamous and Memory at Bay, are available in English. Evelyn will read her poem, One Day. I am poem I'm going to read is titled, Un Jour, One Day in English. My daughter, Shadin Minal, is going to read the English version. She also translated the poem. Un jour, je renirai ma mère. Les bras fermés, j'irai. Sans vague ni bateau dans mes prunelles, affronter la sécheresse et les immeubles en verre, d'où l'on apprend à aimer la beauté froide des palissades. Un jour, je renierai la mémoire de mes sens, 
j'irai avec sous mes pieds l'odeur des algues broyées, avec sous mes bras des éclats d'embrun en bandoulière. Un jour, je renierai la douleur de ma naissance. J'irai sans assistance ni main de fer pour retenir le sel de mes larmes. J'irai sans bâton ni colère dans mes entrailles. Un jour, bientôt peut-être, j'apprendrai à courir sans rêver de soleil vert, de rire en cascade et de nasse folle. Mais aujourd'hui, mon île a plié son aile et j'ai blotti ma peine d'oiseau écartelée entre l'incertitude et l'envol dans la beauté émeraude de son histoire frémissante. One day, one day, I will disown my mother, eyes closed, with neither waves nor ships in my pupils. I will go to face the desert and glass buildings from where one learns to love the cold beauty of borders. One day, I will disown the memory of my five senses. I will go with the smell of crushed owls under my feet and lightning shards of sea under my arms for all to see. One day, I will disown the pain of my delivery. I will go with neither etchings nor opened hands to salvage the salt of my tears. I will go with neither rage nor club in my bowels. One day, soon maybe, I will learn to run without dreaming of green suns, of waterfalls, of laughter, and of walnuts. But today, my island has folded its wing, and I burrow my sorrow of broken bird, caught between uncertainty and flight, in the green beauty of its quivering history. Next up, we have Nancy Ann Miller. She's from Bermuda. She has published seven collections, including Somersault and Island Bound Mail. Her poetry has appeared in numerous international journals. She resides in Connecticut. She's going to read a poem called Pearl. And the song she's chosen to accompany this is uh, The Good Ship Moon by Heather Nova. Pearl. The sun steering wheel turns the large house. Inside, photographs radiate light link into a string of pearls. Pearl, the family ship, sank during the 19th century, shed a cargo of onions to bead the ocean floor. Women's mouths are sealed into the thin edges of an oyster wearing a choker of pearls. A necklace of small restful moons shines out under hushed voice waves when a woman does not plunge into her own stormy depths. You sink down through the seas you roam, but no one takes the dream, it holds me fast. Deep 
So next up is Shara McCallum. She's from Jamaica. She's the author of five books, most recently the poetry collection Mad Woman, which won the 2018 OCM Booker's Prize for Caribbean Literature. She's going to read a poem called To Red, and her particular song that she's chosen is Dusty Shoes by Sky Grass. I've been wrong about you so long. You're not the color of war on Kingston streets. 
When you stain, you become rust. You cheat even the plant tree. More orange in truth than you in your crimson, your scarlet robes. Not even the poppy contains you. Not even 100 huddled in the field. Maybe, like you, I am a liar. Or memory is a story I keep telling myself. But I understand, being as you are, from a long line of women who regard facts as suggestions, who know what it is to burn inside the closet of night. Which is why, when I reach for you, and you careen the nearer you come to my yellow, my alabaster skin, I still croon your name. I still insist on you, my lovely, my death, my life. Thank you.